Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet, if you will, and uh, turn to Matthew chapter number six in your Bibles. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, so. Uh, Matthew chapter number six. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse number 25. Matthew chapter 6, we'll start reading in verse 25. And we're going to read down to verse number 34. Are you there? It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Not about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, pray with me. Father, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to uh, hear, uh, Lord God, to um, be equipped, to be changed, to listen to, uh, Lord God, your voice through your word. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, of being able to stand and minister before your people. Father, take my lips, my mind, my heart, and certainly my emotions, and bring them into conformity with who you are. I pray that you would speak through me and that, God, your people will be satisfied in you, and we will be forever changed as we progress toward the kingdom. Father, we thank you for this moment, and we thank you for what you're going to do today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, we arrived home pretty late last night, and so I am just a little bit tired but I'm kind of reminded of what the Apostle Paul said. Uh, he says, when I am weak, I am strong. Amen. And so God's power is made manifest in our weaknesses. And how many know that sometimes it's good to be in a weak place, uh, particularly when you talk about the things of the Lord, because he always encourages us and strengthens us uh, to progress. Um, I want to talk to you this morning. For those who don't know, we had begun a series last week. Uh, we was talking about uh, the, series, the series is entitled Get Fit. And uh, the series is about positioning ourselves for spiritual breakthrough. It's about casting off the weights and the strongholds in our lives that hold us down. And so these series of teachings are 
very, very practical. Now, you all who know me, which most of you do, I am a very, very practical person. Uh, I believe that the Word of God should be made flesh in all of us. And so I come from a very strong background about practicality. And so these series of messages are very practical, which means that they are meant for you to listen keenly and apply these principles in your life. I am preaching for life change. Amen. I'm not preaching to entertain you. I'm not preaching to make you smile. I am preaching for life change. And so today I want to talk about this issue of emotional fitness. Last week we talked about the importance of being spiritually mature. And so today I want to talk about emotional uh, fitness. We have all experienced some emotional struggles in our lives. Some of us have been uh, dealt blows when people have called us names. Some of us have had bad relationships that have led us into an emotional roller coaster. And some of us have, have had the experience of being betrayed, having our trust undermined. And no matter how you slice it, these things are everyday, real-life issues that we all have to deal with. But how many know that it's not God's will that we be up and down on an emotional roller coaster? Uh, you got to understand, you can't, a lot of times, there are things that are beyond our control. Y'all hear me this morning. There are things that are going to come into your life that will challenge you. It will take every bit of spiritual energy that you have in order to overcome and keep progressing. But we must understand that it is not the will of God that you and I be up and down, happy one day, upset the next. Excited one day, depressed the next. Our emotions, how many know what I'm talking about? That emotional roller coaster in your life. How many know that God wants you steady? God wants you to live in a place where you are consistently trusting and believing in him. God wants us at a place where we don't allow our anger, for an example, to control us. God wants us at a place where we're not walking around holding grudges. Some of us have learned over the years and that, that, you know, we've learned how to hold a grudge. You know, we like to stay mad every now and then. How many know what I'm talking about? Don't y'all sit there like you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you feel happy to hold a grudge. But I want you to know that it's not God's will that you be holding grudges. It's not God's will that, that you can't handle constructive criticism. Some folk, you try to give them some constructive criticism. They get upset. They get mad. They can't handle it. That's a person whose emotions are out of whack. So if we're going to grow spiritually as it relates to maturity, you, we have to learn how to control our emotions. See, one of the things you know a person who is really not growing spiritually is they don't know how to control their emotions. Spiritual maturity, one of the indicators of that is that we control our emotions. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. I'm going to read that verse again. Whoever has no rule over his spirit or basically control yourself is like a city broken down without walls, which simply means that all kinds of stuff can 
come into your life and you are kind of blown whichever way the wind blows. How many know that God don't want us living like that? Amen? Amen. We need to be people that understand that to control our emotions means that we're going to be better equipped to fulfill the will of God in our lives. To control the, how many know it's important to control anger? It's important to control fear. It's important to, uh, to, uh, to defeat bitterness. It's important to defeat unforgiveness. It's important not to allow envy to control your life. It's important that we get a hold of our emotional well-being. Now go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 14. I'm going to give you some nuggets of truth this morning that I think that's really going to help you. Because what we're talking about this morning is emotional health. Emotional health. How many want to grow spiritually? You want to see yourself as a mature Christian? You've got to come to a place where you control your emotions. How many of you have found yourself in undesirable places because you did not control your emotions? You know what I'm talking about. We're going to get a hold of that this morning. We're going to do better. We're going to do better because we're called to a higher place. And it reads in Galatians chapter 5. It says, and we're going to, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 16 through 24. It says, here, here, here's what it says. I say then, watch this, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to read that verse again because it's so key. Walk in the spirit, right? That means to, to walk in step with God. That means to walk in obedience to God. That means to, be in, that means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. He said, now, if we walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill, watch this, the lust of your flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's what they are. Adultery. These are just some of them. Y'all know this list is not conclusive. Amen. Uh, fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Uncleanliness. Lewdness. Idolatry. Sorcery. Hatred. Contentions. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just like I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's Bible. So I want to dissect this a little bit. So he says to walk in his spirit, and then we won't be controlled by flesh. So, so listen to me. So when we are walking in the spirit, we are controlling our emotions. See, when I walk in the spirit, I override the desires of my flesh. How many know that if you have the emotion of anger, for an example, that, or the emotion of hatred, for an example, the way that, that we overcome that is to be led by and guided by the Spirit. We must understand that our emotions is tied to who we are. 
So when I'm not led by the Spirit, here's what will happen. I will move wherever my emotions want to take me. How do you know your emotions are always pulling at you to go someplace? So when you're not led by the Spirit, you will be led by your emotions, which oftentimes will lead to what we just talked about, anger, all right, jealousy, dissension, hatred, fear, and such. Lust, lust is an intense emotion or desire for something that God don't want you to have, all right? So here's the key. This is, this, is, this is the foundation here. We must understand this. So Paul is saying, if we be led by the Spirit, the way that I'm going I'm to be emotionally stable is to be guided by and be led by the Holy Spirit because then I can bring my emotions in check and they, my emotions won't lead me. How many know that your emotions are up and down? They're like a roller coaster. You're going to have these feelings, but how you respond and how you control them is what's very, very important. And so then he is giving us the remedy for how we are to do that. So the key to emotional stability is to be led by the Spirit. Say that with me. The key. Oh, y'all. Say that with me. The key to emotional stability is to be led by the Spirit, all right? That's, that's, that's what he's telling us. You want, to, you want to be emotionally stable, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. What happens is when we're not there, when we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit, you know your flesh is going to get the upper hand. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and your flesh ain't been redeemed. Do you hear me? Your flesh is decaying. Your flesh is at enmity with God. Those who are in the flesh, the scripture says, cannot please God. It is an impossibility to please God if we are in the flesh. So let's look at some keys to getting emotionally free. So we're talking this morning about coming to a place where we're in control of our emotions, whereby we are walking in the spirit of God, thus fulfilling our mandate and our calling as the people of God. Number one, if we're going to be emotionally free, we have to acknowledge that you have a problem. We have to acknowledge we have a problem. Amen? How many know that you can't get free about something if you don't first acknowledge that you have an issue? See, if you have an anger problem, if you have a jealousy problem, then you know what we should do is say, I got an anger problem, God. I got a jealousy problem. Psalms 32, 5 says this. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me of all my iniquities. And so the first place that we have to come to is stop blaming other people when something is wrong with us. Are you hearing me? So if we got it, listen, we need to come to a place when we blow it, when we know we have issues, how many know we need to stop ducking, stop running and say, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. I got a problem, Lord, and I need help. How many know that deliverance starts with confession? You can't get free until we first say, Lord, I have a problem with this area. God, I have, a, I have no control over my temper. God, I have no control when I get these urges. God, I need help. How many know God wants to help us today? Number two, watch this. We have to forgive your offenders. Forgive your offenders. Now, you hear me talk a whole lot about forgiveness. So you, every Christian here, you sitting here today, the first thing that popped in your mind when I said that to you is, Pastor, I already know I'm supposed to forgive. 
But I'm telling you right now, because I'm a pastor and I talk to Christians all the time, and they continually struggle with this issue of forgiveness. Continually. And yet we try to sometimes find ways and we try to find holes and we try to find some kind of way to justify holding on to something that God wants us released from. But if we're going to be controlled by the spirit, how many know we can't be a slave to unforgiveness? Now, one of the things here, I want to give you some insight. Here's, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Luke 23. Verse 34. Everybody know this passage, but I want you to think about it in the context I'm about to share with you this morning. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Listen, for they know not what they do. Think about that for a moment. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, how many know that, how many have ever heard the phraseology that hurt people hurt people? How many ever heard that? You know, if all of your life, if you have been you have been used to being in an environment of bitterness, unforgiveness and hurt. How many know that unless you get free of that, you will perpetuate that same issue everywhere you go. It becomes a part of you. And so when Jesus said, watch this, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was taking it to a higher place. How many know that we need to see our offenses the same way that Jesus sees them? We need to see people the way Jesus sees people. When Jesus hung up on that cross, here's what he said. He didn't say, Father, forgive them. He didn't just say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, just to be saying that. Because I'm willing to bet you that everybody who was his offender, if you went and asked the offenders and say, do you know what you're doing? Every one of them would say, certainly we know what we're doing. We're trying to kill this joker because he run his mouth too much. We want to get rid of him. But Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. In other words, there's a spiritual blindness that's causing them not to be able to perceive what's really happening in the realm of the spirit. And so Jesus was able to say, Father, forgive them. And he was able to forgive them because he knew that they were depraved, even though they didn't think they were. Are you tracking with me? Jesus said, he looked at me. He said, Father, they don't know. They're lost. They're a product of their environment, God. God, there's ones who spit on him, lied on him, beat him, talked about him, and all he did was good, and all they did was abuse him. And he said, Father, they don't know what they're doing. God, forgive them. How many know that we start looking at people like that, it will change the whole way we think about this thing? And you will be in a place where we will be free to forgive because we see them as needing help. See, sometimes your offender they just, you know, I come from a line of trouble on my mother's side of her family. And, and, it, and it was amazing because I was talking about this with someone yesterday who was in pain. And, and I said to them, it wasn't until God gave me an out-of-body experience. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not talking about I had one of those things that Paul had, you know, when he was taken up to the third heaven. I wish I had that, but I, I'm not talking about that. But I had an out-of-body experience where the Holy Spirit took me out of this situation, my emotions, because I had established some, some bitterness against my family. My family on my mother's side because they went away. I never saw them and they were just distant. And so there was something in me that I don't want nothing to do with them. And if I was really, really honest, when they came around, there was something in my soul that wasn't quite right. God then took me to another level where I began to see them being destitute because God showed me that throughout their life, they had been abused. They had been abused by their father emotionally. They had been abused sexually. And as a result of that, 
they behave in ways that we don't like. And here's the other thing. Sometimes you behave in ways that other people don't like. Because we'll all have, listen, we're all a product of a, of, a, of, a, of a society that has been infected with sin. That's why it's so important to master forgiveness. It, it is so critical because you can never, ever be used by God to the fullest extent that we can be until we come to this place where we are not wrestling with forgiveness. So if I'm going to be emotionally healthy, if I'm going to get fit emotionally, i got to be a person that's quick to forgive. Everybody say quick. That means I ain't going to hold on. I'm not going to give you a list of things that you must do first. But listen to me. I was talking to a lady yesterday who told me that she'd been waiting for 30 years for somebody to say I'm sorry. 30 years. 30, I'm sitting there looking at her like, and I'm looking at her life. Her life is miserable, and she knows it. I'm standing there looking at her. She's like walking death because she is holding by that. She can't get free, so she's mad at everything and mad at everybody because she's been holding and waiting for somebody to come to her and say, you know, I'm sorry. Let me tell you that more than likely, if they ain't said they sorry in that amount of time, <laughs> they probably ain't going to show up. You need to get up, get on, and move with your life and get free and stay free. You need to forgive them on the spot and say, Lord, I forgive them because they know not what they're doing, and you pray for them. That's called emotional health right there. That's called getting free. That's good stuff right there. Number three, here it is. You got to bury your past. Everybody say bury. Mm. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing. I like this. Paul says, one thing I do. There's a lot of things that I may mess up. There are a lot of issues that I might struggle with. But he said, one thing I have learned, I got to do this. I got to do this. He said this, I forget those things which are behind me, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, if you have made bad choices in your life, like all of us have, right? Because you was in a bad place emotionally, how many know that you can't go back and change what you did? I know that you wish you can go back. I know how it is sometimes. We think we would like to be able to go back, you know, in a time warp and be able to go back and say, if I had a chance to do it all over again, uh, it ain't going to happen. Hey, but one thing to do is you got to move forward. You know, I got this saying, write this down. I came up with this yesterday as I'm traveling on the road from Virginia Beach. And the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Use the past as a tutor and not an intruder. Use the past as a tutor. In other words, you want to use the past to teach you how to be better, how to be wiser, how to be stronger, but don't let it intrude you. Don't let it impede your ability to be able to move forward. So use the past as a tutor and not an intruder. We got too many of God's people who are being intruded by their past and they cannot move on emotionally. They are still in a bad place because we keep talking about what happened 30 years ago. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 30, that is gone. I, you know, I wish I could, there's a lot of things, I mean, if I had a chance, but the reality is you don't have the chance. 
That time is gone. What I'm going to do right now is, watch this, I'm going to chart a whole new course of living. All right? I'm going to chart a whole new course. I'm going to live free, and, and I'm going to look whatever I did in the past, whatever I used to be, whoever I beat up, whoever I slandered, whoever I, whatever I did in the past. I, I ain't beat nobody up. Yeah, I'm not, I did, but I, I'm moving on. <laughs> you got to move on. You, you, you just can't because emotionally, if you don't, you are the person that hurts the most. Amen. As I said a moment ago, this woman stood before me and said, 30 years. And her life is in sh- Nobody likes to be around her. Nobody want to be around because she's mad. You ever met somebody mad? That's because they've been holding stuff for years. They've been thinking about what mom and dad did to them and they can't get free. So everybody else in their life is going to do the same thing the mom and dad did to them. There are some women who can't have a good relationship because they had a bad past relationship, and they can't get over that. And so they bring that mind of thinking into the current relationship, and because that is their norm, they cannot function in a way that is healthy. Because of what it was back then. You need to get free. Everybody say, get free. free. And move on. Number four. You got to refuse to hold it inside. Now, I, I want to hear, hear me on this one. James 5, 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. All right. Now, you know what you know what counselors do? Dr. Field, <laughs> uh, whoever these big time counselors do. They get up on the couch. Here's what they, they get up on the couch. First lady, come over here. Come right here, first lady. Come, come, come. I'm preaching a sermon, so you got to hurry up. They get up on the couch. Sit down. Yeah. Sit right there. Miss Bailey, what can I do for you? <laughs> and they, they sit on the couch, and they look at you, and you tell this person that you really don't have no relationship with, by the way, all about your life. And then when it's all said and done, they slip you a big old bill. You got to pay them a whole lot of money to help you. You know why? Because, listen to me, they are utilizing a biblical principle. The Bible says, listen to me, stay stay right there. The Bible says, the Bible says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Confession is brings about healing. You are not designed to hold all that stuff on the inside. And there are some people, they hold it, but they're masters at keeping stuff in. Keeping this bad, I mean, no negative energy will weigh you down. And that's what happens when people pop. You ever been in a party, and no matter how much noise it is, no matter what's going on around you, no matter if you're out at Mayfest and you got hundreds of people around you, if a balloon pop, pop! You, know, you, can be, you can hear the balloon pop. That's how some people are. Pop! And they lose it. Because what happened is they held all this negative energy on the inside. They held all this anger. They held all this bitterness. And, 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 you know, and they never talk. See, the Bible says confess your sins to one another. See, when we start talking and sharing, I watch some of us. Y'all, y'all got to indulge me for a moment. Amen. 
I'm going to pick a little bit. I got to pick. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I don't pick a little bit. But some of us, we like to sometimes when church, we come to church, we, we, are, we, we put on these masks and, and we try to make everybody think we're fine. Why would you come to church, hang out with God's people and leave the same way that you came in the door? Amen. I don't get it. There are some people who run out of church. Can't wait. Pastor, hurry up. Come on, Pastor. Uh, Pastor, Harry, I got to get home. For what? And you go back home, relationship still messed up. Stuff is jacked up. You never got help. You never know. There may be a word for your situation in Sister April's mouth, but you don't hang around to get it. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed, which tells me some sins, some things won't get healed until you start talking. That's a biblical principle. That's not something that Pastor Gary made up. He said, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might get healed. Go come into church, sit down, oh, you know, oh, you know, and I want to hear him go and go home and Emotions are all in whack. Husband and wife ain't even talking to each other. You got the same problems that we had before, and we never sit down and talk. How many know church is much more than you coming here, sitting, listening to me, and walking out of that door? Do you hear me? Church is a place where you come to be healed. It's a place where a community of believers share in each other's lives, where we open the door and begin to say, hey, sister, can I talk to you? What's going on? I got this problem. And church people ought to be wise enough and mature enough to be able to handle that. I don't suggest you just share with anybody, but you need to be able to sit down with somebody in the kingdom, in the church, and say, I got a problem. Why go pay a counselor $2,000? I'll give it to you free. Amen. They are utilizing a biblical principle. Because they know that you, you can't hold that stuff in. They know you're not designed to hold that stuff in. Some of you better stop holding. You, got, you sit up, you just hold stuff in. Stuff bothers you, stuff, or you never say nothing. And then one day, bop! Oh, what happened to Sister Joan? What, 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 she, what, she, what she do? She went out and hit him right in the face. I never see. Knocked him out. What? Why, well, I couldn't believe it. I was just standing there, and she just walked up, and she floored him right in front of me. What? Oh, y'all keep kicking. What's wrong? With and then, then, then and at that point, now we square. Now, nobody want to talk to Everybody's gossiping, talking. And then it's like, it makes it harder, right? So here's what you do. When you feel these negative energy inside of you, get into a habit of dealing with it right away. Amen. Mature people learn how, hear me. If you don't hear nothing else I say, hear this. Mature people learn how to deal with their emotion. They control their emotions. One way you do that is you don't hold stuff in. You're not designed. You got, you'll develop health problems, all kinds of issues, relational problems. If you don't learn, have a place where you can get that stuff out of you. But I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink. I can't. I can't make you drink. I can only tell you, you got to decide. You got to decide. All right, number five. You got to choose not to worry. Choose not to worry. Everybody say choose. choose. You got to choose not to worry. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body and what you would put on. Now, you've heard me say this before, and it's worth saying again. Worry, oftentimes, all the time, have 
buddies. Their buddies are depression. Their buddies are addictions. Their buddies are health issues. Their buddies are fear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, some of you, and I even ask for a show of hands, but how many know that Jesus said, I'm going to give you a practical wisdom right now. This is, this is what God showed me. Now, understand this particular verse, Jesus is telling us, he's, you know, if, you're, if you got your Bible, you got the red letter edition, anything in the red means that Jesus is talking. All right? So you got it's in the red. So whenever you hear me say it's in the red, Jesus is talking. Okay. So Jesus, go on and say, hey, don't worry about your life. All right? Don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't worry about where you're going to get your next piece of chicken from. We had a lot of chicken yesterday, didn't we, first lady? We got, yeah, anybody wants some chicken, we got a whole lot at home, a lot of it. But that was a joke. Y'all still, <laughs> okay, so, so Jesus said, watch this. He said, don't worry about your life, right? He said, don't worry about your life. Don't be troubled about it. He said, forget about it. He says, for everybody else is doing that. He said, everybody who don't know God, they worry. Let that simmer with you just for a moment. Everybody who don't know God, they worry. Jesus, for all the Gentiles are seeking. Here's what he's saying. He said, everybody who don't know me, they walk around worried about if, if things are tight, if things are challenging, they're being controlled by worry. But he said, it should not be that way with you. Why? What's the remedy for worry? Here's what it is. Jesus said this, and I believe in Matthew 6, 33. He said, watch this. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So here's what you do. So when you feel that negative emotion, worry trying to control you, or depression, use the principle of deflect. Deflect. In other words, do kingdom things like... If the, if the worry try to come up on you, just say, you know what? I'm going to share the good news with somebody. If worry try to come up on you, begin to worship. If worry try to come on against you, begin to serve God's people. If worry try to get busy about the kingdom, because he said the answer is right here. He says, he says here's what you do. He says, don't worry about all that stuff. But he says, what I want you to do, here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom. Now, why do you want to seek first the kingdom? Because he simply said, when we prioritize the kingdom, he said, I'll take care of the rest. So that's called deflection. My, my dog, one of the things we do, my, when I was in a dog training school, we would have like, you know, because you got to train a dog to do everything if you want to do what you want to do. You got to train. You got you to trick the dog. And so a lot of times, you know, Coco would grab, Coco is my dog, she would grab an item in the house. And, and the last thing you want to do is run behind a dog because you try to run behind a dog, the dog think you're playing. So they're going to play like ring around the road to come get me if you can. And you ain't going to ever catch them. You ain't going to ever catch them. You hear me? You ain't going to ever catch them. And, and so, so, so my kids, the minute Coco grabs something, the, what they do is, they drop it, Coco, they go, and Coco go like. And I'm laughing because there's a circle in the house. And so, and I just sit there and I watch them. I said, no, no, you don't do that. I said, what you do is you utilize the principle of deflect. Here's what you do. You go in that cabinet over there where I got all them little doggy treats, and, and what you do is you show her the doggy bone because nine times out of ten, she's going to realize that the doggy bone tastes a whole lot better than the socks. And it's amazing because once I saw the doggy bone, her attention goes right to the doggy bone. And whatever that thing she had in her mouth, she drops it. 
It's over. See, some of us need to look at worry the same way. We need to turn our eyes to Jesus, turn our eyes to the things of God, and then you'll let that other stuff go. It'll fall right on the floor. It's called deflection. I'm deflecting. So don't, don't, let, don't, let, don't, don't sit there and say, man, I'm all right, and you're sitting there worried about it. Start seeking the Lord. Start doing kingdom things and watch how your emotions will get under control. All right, number six, don't make decisions out of your negative emotions. The worst thing you can do is make a decision. I'm leaving you. I got mad at my wife. I ain't never told nobody this story. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time. We was getting married, right? So I go to the barbershop because we're going to get married the next day. All right, we're, we're, I'm ready to do it. Everything's good. Life is great. Well, I go to the barbershop, and I get my hair cut, you know, and I tell my wife, I said, you know, so I'm like, well, my girlfriend, well, my, what do you call it when you? Fiance, thank you. So I, I, I said, babe, be back, be back about an hour. Uh, well, brothers and sisters, it's like some three hours later. So I'm sitting in the barbershop, and I'm like, where you at? You know, calling, what's up? Well, we, I'm out with my sisters. What are y'all doing? Shopping. Shopping? And I'm sitting there now. My hair, my, I had already had my hair cut. I am D-O-N-E done. So I'm sitting around. People are starting to look at me like, why is that fool standing outside the barber? He's been standing there for like, they're going to be ready to call the cops on me. Because I'm standing out there waiting. On my, and, and, I, and she came up, and I told my cousin who was with me, because I had him to come get me. I said, I don't want to get married. I don't want to get married. How do you know I was emotional at the time? I was mad. I was mad. I don't want to get married. I ain't going to marry that. No. I mean, I wasn't mad. And, you know, the worst thing you can do is to make decisions out of your negative emotions. Listen to me. Here's what you do. If you find yourself getting, like, really, really hot, don't make a decision right there. Wait till you cool off. Whatever you got to do to get yourself cooled off, cool it off. If a shower don't work, maybe go running. If you, you know, maybe to get a, maybe get a punching bag. Blow some steam off. But wait before you make a decision on your emotions that you will regret. See, emotionally stable people, they learn they don't do that. When you've been living for a minute, when you've been living for as long as I've been living, you learn that you control your mind. Uh, look, right now, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the best place to make a decision about that right now. Can you please give me a few days? See, when you go to the car dealership and you ain't really planning to buy a car, and then all of a sudden they talk you into buying a car, something might be wrong there. Well, because you ain't had a car on the radar screen. You probably may not be let out. Now, you think, that's a good emotion, Pastor, because I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you okay. See, if that wasn't something that you had planned for, that wasn't something you bargained for, see, don't say our emotions, you can't be led. I'm telling you, your emotions could, could lead you into danger. Get a control of your, don't let your emotions pull you around like a little puppy. No, you get control of your spirit, amen? Be, get control of your spirit. And watch this. Number seven, we only got eight, we're almost done. Number eight, number seven. Here's, a, here's another key principle. We're going to have good emotional health is we have to meditate in God's word. Oh, pastor, that's elementary. You said that like a thousand times. That's right. That's right. And I'll keep saying it because it's forever true. Joshua 1, 8 says this. God said, Joshua, you want to have good success. How many want to have good success? Amen. Joshua, if you want to have good success, meditate in the word day and night. Now, think about it for a moment. 
Just meditating in the word day and night seems in and of itself, if that was just it, it seems inconclusive. But there's a reason why he said, Joshua, I want you to meditate in this word day and night. Meditate in this word day and night. Why? Because your mind need to be renewed. You need to begin to think like God. See, we don't do devotions every day because we're trying to get to heaven. I don't sit up here and tell you to read your Bible every day as, because if you, if you like some legalistic. I don't do that. I tell you to read the Bible every day because you need help for everyday living. Amen. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm, I'm just a needy person. I need God's grace every day. So here's, 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 here's what I mean when I say meditating the word of God. See, God's word, are you still with me? Say amen. God's word steadies and anchors our emotions. So, so here's what happened. If you're emotional about something, and you know how some people say, well, I just feel led by the Spirit. Oh, but I just feel, this just feels right. But if your feeling right contradicts what the Bible says, then you need to junk that emotion. Let me, let me try that again. Because, see, see, the Word of God is the Word of God. How many know that that we must test all things by what the Bible says. So watch this. I may feel like I want her, but the Bible said I can't have her. Amen. You follow me? Your emotions and your feelings, feelings, nothing more than feelings. I used to like that song. Flesh is what I used to like. But, but, but your feelings will get you into trouble. You just, as a Christian, we can't just be led by our Feelings, our emotions. See, when I see, watch this. The more I get the mind of God, it keeps my emotions in check. How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? I got to first have the mind. The only way you can listen to me, I, you can you can go to you can be slain in the spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost, uh, yell, scream, jump up on the chandeliers, have a good feeling, get goosebumps. Do all that. But until you get the mind of God about a thing, you're going to be lost. It's what the Bible says about it. So watch this. Are we courageous enough to say, if this is what God's word says, I'm going to go with that? Well, pastor, well, here's the problem. I have a problem with, with the Bible because it was written by man. Well, I can't help you there. Because in this church, we, we tell you right up front that, that uh, we believe that this book is the inspired word of God. Cover to cover. That's what we teach. And if you don't believe that, you're in the wrong church. I don't even apologize for that. We believe this book is the word of God. Everything that I do, what pastor thinking about right here? If you can't find it in these covers, then I'm more than likely ain't going to support it. Because I come from a place where I understand that, that for me, because your emotions will trick you. You, you know what I'm saying? You, how many have felt good about something, then later on realized that good feeling you got duped? You got hoodwinked. You got duped. I felt right at the time. It felt right. It felt good. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin. Of course it won't feel good. I mean, you know, it feels great. I, I ain't denying that. I ain't denying that she looked good. I ain't denying it. Yeah, you know, I can't have it. Why? Because the Bible says I can't. So I ain't, listen, so in order for me to get my emotions under control, I got to get the mind of God. So here, here's what we got. If we're going to have emotional stability, you need to make up in your mind whether or not you believe this book. 
That's, I mean, I don't know what to say. It, it, because, if, listen to me, I've always said this. If parts of this book is true and other parts are not, then how can I have any confidence that this is really from God at all? You've got to resolve that issue. You, you have to resolve that issue. You have to resolve for a fact when Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. You've got to resolve that. If you're like one of the I don't really believe that. Then you don't believe this because it clearly says that. I don't know what else to tell you. I'll pray for you. I'll send you to the church to do what you want to do because they're out there. But we have come to a place, or, or in this church, what we, we embrace fully and completely what the Bible says about issues. I don't, because my emotions are all the way, I don't really know what's good for me. I think I know. I think, I, sometimes, I mean, I, I think I got it, but I, I turn to his word and I realize, Gary, you don't really got it. You got to come, Gary, you, you're wrong in this issue because the Bible says it's wrong. And so if we want our emotions to be steady, get into the word. Enough about that. All right, be transformed. How many know that out of control emotions are, are the product of your heart, which is not saturated with scripture? I mean, saturated with scripture. Know that book inside out. Know the word. Make the word apply to every situation in your life. Whatever you're dealing with, check the word. See what God's word says about what you're dealing with. And I'm willing to bet you just about anything you can think of, God got an answer. It's in the word. It's in there. Directly implied, whatever, it is there. Hallelujah. Lastly, you got to, if you're going to be emotionally strong and healthy, we have to, you have to visualize the new you. Everybody say the new you. So, well, well, I used to be, yeah, that's what you used to be. You used to be a whole monger, right? You used to be a drunk. You used to be a hot-tempered person. You, need, you used to be a person that was prone to jealousy. You used to be a person that was a slave to low self-esteem. But you got to visualize that you are new you. You remember that grasshopper mentality? Children of Israel sent to the land to spy it out. They come back and say, look, the bunch of giants in the land, and, and, and we feel like we are grasshoppers. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart. So here's what we need to do. You need to see yourself as a new person. I, I, I'm not that new. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm still struggling. That's Okay. You're going to fall off the wagon sometimes. We all do. But you need, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creation, creature. You're brand new. I'm not the same that I used to be. So I got to visualize, I got to see myself as this new person in God. I'm not angry no more. I'm not jealous anymore. I'm not violent anymore. I don't beat up people no more like I used to. I may be tempted, but I control my emotions. Amen? I ain't swinging like I used to. I don't club like I You follow what I'm saying? In other words, I got to visualize that I've been changed. Because if you don't see yourself as new, you'll stay stuck. You'll just keep referring back. you keep referring to yourself as that. And how do we know that God saved you from that? He saved you from any and everything that is designed to pull you away from him. So we got to visualize the new you. So in, in, in closing, what, what, what are they? Who kept notes? Amen. Amen. Acknowledge that you have a problem. Forgive your offenders. Bury the past. Refuse to hold it inside. Choose not to worry. 
Don't make decisions out of your negative emotions. Meditate in the word of God and visualize the new you. If you apply these principles, you're on your way to emotional health, good health, in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you care enough about us, God, to remind us and give us instruction about how we need to handle our emotion, God. Some of us, Lord God, if we're really honest, we've been controlled by our emotions, God. God, we've been controlled by illegal desire and things that are in us, Lord God, that has contradicted who you are and what you called us to be. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would set captives free today. Some have been struggling with anger. Some have been struggling with unforgiveness, Lord. Some have been struggling with bitterness. Some struggling with lust. Some struggling, Lord God, with depression. Some are struggling with all worry. All of these things, Lord God, has caused some of your people, Lord, to be on an emotional roller coaster. If they're up one day, down the next. Happy one day, mad the next. God, I pray for freedom today over your people. I'm just going to have you just take a moment. Everyone in the room, nobody's moving, nobody talking. I just want you to just focus on God just for the next few moments. Just for the next few moments. And wherever you have been convicted uh, through this word about your emotional instability or, or areas of your life that have not been in check, take a moment and just right where you are, confess that to God. Anger, bitterness, uh, low self-esteem, jealousy, envy, hate, racism, all of these things. Take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to wash you clean. Father, hear the hearts of your people now. Nobody looking around, nobody thinking about somebody else. Think about you and your relationship with God and where you are. Take a moment and do that. Father, you, you hear the hearts of your people, God. Perhaps you've shown them some areas, Lord, that they need to shore up as relate to their emotional health. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me, and I don't know who this is for, but, but someone in this room is struggling with this issue of worry so much that the Holy Spirit is saying, if you keep that door open, it's going to be a slippery slope. 
I just sense that in my spirit that somebody is opening the door to depression, to anxiety, and to a spirit because worry attracts other spirits. I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, don't flirt with worry. God just spoke to me. He says, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. He says, come unto me, all you labor who are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I'm gentle and lowly at heart and you will find rest in your souls. God says, to, in order to avoid popping pills, in order to avoid running back and forth to mental health hospitals, God's saying that, that right now you got to cut it at the entrance door. Somebody has been flirting with this issue of worry so much so that God is saying, turn away from it now and get free. Get free. God said, don't even go that way. You've heard the word of the Lord this morning. He don't want you worried. He doesn't want you worried. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, that this morning, God, for that word. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we are healthy in Jesus' name. That, Lord God, that we are gaining control of our spirit, man. That, God, that we are not out of whack, out of control, all over the place, up, down. Uh, Lord God, we are steady as she goes because, God, you are our anchor today. You're the anchor for our souls. So, Father, heal your people. Heal in the name of Jesus right where they're sitting, oh God. God, heal. I speak the word over the church. Heal today your people who are emotionally distraught, who are emotionally in shambles today, who are emotionally discouraged and, and feeling like they want to quit and just, Lord, throwing in the towel. Heal your people today in the name of Jesus. Heal God. Set free and deliver. If you hear that word this morning, it was spoken in the atmosphere and you know it was for you. Snatch it out of the air and let it sit down in your heart and walk in the reality of that truth. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If anyone's sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've been playing the game, but you know you haven't surrendered. You know in your heart that you don't but You know that you're not sure that you're going to go to heaven. I'm not talking about words that you walked up in front of the church and you stated. I'm talking about a life that you surrendered to God, your heart. God says, playtime is over. He says, playtime is over. He said, today if you hear his voice, Surrender to him today. Surrender. God said someone has been playing with this thing. God is calling us to come on in and stop playing games. It's time to get serious. Stop relying on your parents' faith. Stop playing games. Stop acting like you're saved and be saved. Today, if you hear his voice, you say, Pastor, I, I, I know in my heart I ain't right with God. I know it. I know it like I know my name that's you this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, slip your hand up and run up to this altar and get saved today. Get right with God today. Because tomorrow is not promised. I had to bury my mother-in-law yesterday. I preached her funeral. I'm telling you, tomorrow is not promised. Death is coming. The only the problem is we don't know when it comes. We don't know when it comes. God is here today to heal and say 
Is there one who said, I need to get right with God today? Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you so much because you're working in us. You're working in us to will and do of your good and awesome pleasure. God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But right before we leave, I got a couple of things. I'm going to have Sister April Hunt want to come up and make a couple of comments. And then I'm going to have Brother Walter. He'll go ahead and close us in prayer. Amen. Amen. Before I get to what I'm about to do, let me finish up with God's business. As Pastor was praying, and I don't know who that is that is dealing with oration, and, um, but I want you to know that God thinks so much about you that he would have a word spoken for you, that he really, really loves you this morning. It's more than just Pastor standing here and he preaching. But sometimes we have to be mindful of that, that he really does love me and that I'm always on the heart of God this morning. So take that. Don't th take it as just a coincidence. No, you're on the heart of God this morning. We sing that song all the time, I'm a friend of God. Take it for what it is this morning, that he will send his servant this morning because he doesn't want you in that place. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to shift the atmosphere just a little bit. It was somewhere down in the late 1980s that Peggy Clark, sitting at Norfolk State University in a classroom with Gary Bailey, slipped a little note. He's cute. At that time, pastor had hair, a fade, half of an afro. Sister Peggy probably had a jerry curl. I know because I had one. <laughs> Praise God. And we just want to celebrate their union. I believe they've been married. I want to say 24, but I was heard 23. It's 23 years. Okay. It's 23. At least you was right. I thought, yeah, you was right. I had to ask because I heard, I thought maybe, yeah, I think I got it wrong because I thought I heard pastor say 24 one time. But anyway, hold on one second. Mouth is dry. So, can y'all believe Sister Peggy slipped past a note in class? Can y'all believe that? A little shy, Sister Peggy, but she, but she did. Mm -hmm. Amen. She saw she saw potential in him. She saw potential. Amen. Praise God. All right. Go ahead. Praise God. <laughs> i 
one sad day or minute have I had since you came away. I hope you know how gladly go anywhere you need me. It's so amazing.